1: Welcome, everyone, to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. This is part two of our two-part Growing Up Catholic Makes You Spooky series featuring our good friend, Connor Bryant. If you missed part one, make sure and go check that out because we are going to pick up right where we left off and we don't want you to miss anything. And if you're returning for part two, well, welcome back. Just a quick refresher, we had just been talking about how we were surrounded and saturated with dark Catholic art growing up and how there might be a correlation to why we love horror today. And now we're going to pivot and talk about, well, all the other ways that Catholicism maybe made us spooky today. So, kick back and let's get into it.
0: Look out, something is going to get you tonight.
1: Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Carve Show. not even just the art itself it's always constantly reminding you that you're gonna die kid one day you're going to you're really going to kick the bucket and my whole childhood just spent like that we would have theology in class every you know week uh, we would have mass on Fridays we'd go to church on Sunday like Catholicism was my life you know growing up and so much of it is about preparing yourself for the next life and that your body doesn't matter it's just a vessel really for sin that you need that you need to shed one day so then you can ascend into heaven and so all growing up I'm I'm already being fed this like dance macabre imagery you know that is right. death waltz through through life and then i get to college and i'm like oh wait maybe it's not so bad you know well, and
2: and which is kind of crazy because that's sort of an anti-catholic idea that your body doesn't matter right like like part of the catholic preoccupation with like Bodies and like with this gets into like policing people's bodies, especially women's bodies is the is the belief in like the presence of God, like in living things and like things aren't just symbolic, like it's actually everything is much more incarnate than you know, then it is transcendent
0: Catholics love relics.
2: Yes. Yeah. Like everything is, everything is endowed with meaning and, and purpose and it should be dealt with, you know, as if it's, as if it's important.
0: Yeah. Just kind of speaking on the omnipresent reminders of death. Like I feel like that actually connects back to being the, the episode. Like, <laughs> I don't, I've been told this by, by lots of people, especially through like my other podcast, because we actually talk a lot about like Memento Mori mm. and, oh, like, yeah. uh, death and stuff. I have been told by a lot of people that just the way I talk about death makes them feel a lot more comfortable with death. And that's a really nice thing to hear. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That's an incredibly nice thing to hear, but it's just very natural to me. Uh, because I think I just grew up with this very omnipresent, like, oh, you're gonna die.
1: Yeah. yeah. I came
0: to terms with that at an incredibly young age. I have another personal story. I remember being six or seven. And I, there was one time I was like hanging out with my little cousin who was two years younger than me. And she wasn't Catholic because this was a cousin on my mom's side. I was just like hanging out with my little cousin. I'm like, Seven years old and my cousin didn't understand that she was gonna die uh, oh no and i i i felt the need to explain oh
1: my god i love that (laughs) listen kid (laughs) as you're smoking a cigarette (laughs) yeah (laughs) let me tell you
0: i was just very much like hold on a minute you need to understand this
2: (laughs) i mean we talk about like how things were like kind of dark and like maybe it wasn't technically appropriate but also i'm not gonna say that we weren't better off for facing those things earlier
1: oh yeah which then leads this constantly leads back into our this is why we're spooky because we've maybe because we've you know already faced it earlier on and that
2: internalized it yeah that
1: then seeing maybe a scary thing later on in life it's like i already i already processed that that's just cool you know
2: yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know that I can necessarily attribute this to being Catholic, but being a very small child, like watching The Wizard of Oz, everybody's always like, oh my gosh, The Wizard of Oz is so traumatizing. Like, the flying monkeys are so scary. The Wicked Witch is, is so scary. And I'm like, what? I was like, I was obsessed with the Wicked Witch of the West and the Flying Monkeys. Are you kidding me? I was like, that's the coolest part of the whole thing. Like, what do you mean you related to Dorothy? Like, (laughs) no, no, absolutely (laughs) not. Like, I have pictures of me as a yeah, like I have pictures of me (laughs) as a toddler, like wearing a black polo shirt that was like oversized on me, and a and a black witch's hat with a broom, like standing in front of the TV while that show is on.
1: Amazing, (laughs)
2: you know, like. And like gargoyles, gargoyles are so cool, and that's such a cap. Yeah, thing.
0: yeah, no, I, I definitely think at a at a really like really really young age, we kind of started to face mortality, and
2: we were metal as fuck.
0: Everyone has their own journey and whatever. I'm not saying one is like better than the other, sure. but like if anyone is like wow you seem really comfortable with death it's like yeah i've been comfortable with it my right. entire life like I don't, there's nothing it's not new to me like it's not yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah once a
1: day every uh, every year we have ash wednesday where we walk around for a full day with ash on our foreheads after being told you you right. are ash and ash to you will return i'm like cool i'm gonna
2: fucking wear this with pride all day yeah brian to your point about like Realizing, you know, you brought up that that quote from that article about the the fish are the last to discover the sea. Mm-hmm. I remember being in high school and a friend of mine being over after school on Ash Wednesday. And I was like, okay, um, Jimmy, we're gonna we're gonna go to Mass, so like you have to go home. <laughs> and he was like, Can I go to Mass with you guys? And my mom was like, Sure, you can come. And I was like, He's gonna come on Ash Wednesday? <laughs> like of all the days for him to experience a Catholic mass, perhaps for the first time. And so that was the first time that I was like, really like every single little thing that we did, even things that were just like a normal because most of that mass is is pretty normal. I was just totally seeing it from an outsider perspective and I was like, This is so bizarre Mm -hmm. it felt like suddenly culty to me yeah i felt kind of wrong about it uh because i just felt like i was totally seeing it through his eyes and not that he was being as judgmental about it as i was i'm sure i think i was just feeling self-conscious suddenly that i was like this would seem so weird if you have no frame of reference for this and are not used to doing this every single week yeah and on top of that it's ash wednesday and then i had to like coach him on like what he needed to do to go up i was like okay so you're not catholic you're not going to get ashes on your forehead, just cross your arms in front, you know, (laughs) it was so, I was so stressed. I was so stressed.
1: I I mean, I remember being as a kid and watching people go up and crossing their arms. I'm like, Whoa, what's wrong with you? Do you not believe it? You know, like there, there was a looking back, like that was a real culty thing that I, I had this real judgment of being like, why did you cross your arms? Why are you even here? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ash Wednesday. I feel like Like that was actually when prepping for this episode, the first thing that came to my mind, like why does Catholicism make spooky is like fucking Ash Ash Wednesday. Wednesday. (laughs) Like first off, kind of connecting once again back to the witchcraft thing, you're literally walking around all day with a a sigil Mm -hmm. on your forehead. Like it is a magic symbol made of ash on your forehead. Not only that, but that symbol represents a very a brutal murder of someone (laughs) like, like the cross represents death, not only death, but, but the murder of, you know, our, our Messiah, like it represents the murder of someone. And so you're walking around all day with a sigil made of ashes on your forehead. Brian, you mentioned literally, it's literally one of my favorite quotes. I bring it up all the time. Like the, from, from Ash. Thou
1: art dust and unto dust thou shalt return.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Fucking metal, dude. I love Ash Wednesday. Ash
0: return, man. Like it's like the whole thing. It's the su- circle of yeah. life, right? And that, part of ash wednesday right and it was just like oh yeah yeah that makes sense
1: mm. <laughs> and not only that we are gonna die one day it's 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 peppered into so many songs so many christian rock songs everything but that you do not know the hour or the day that like you always have to be ready because uh, watch your back uh, you know it's gonna get you you know i think about that all the time it, it right?
0: also i think speaks to the beauty of it too though because there is this like it is dark obviously but also like to me the concept of like it's not only about returning to Ash. It's like, that's what I once was, right? So there's like this cycle of life mm-hmm. thing. Like i right. was Ash and now I'm Corey, the human person. And then I will be Ash again. And
1: that's what I was getting <laughs> about earlier about how it's it, it feels like there's this paradox where your body, it's temporary. It's it's only here for now. And then you will, your soul is forever though. And so like right. we have to spend our life really not... Uh, being sure not to give over to earthly pleasures, you have you have to steal yourself for you know higher pleasures of heaven, and that that's what I think I was getting at with the um, the body doesn't matter in a way.
0: So this is also interesting. I feel like ca- Catholicism gets kind of complicated because that <laughs> do tell complicated.
1: <laughs> no, dude, it's <that's> pretty straightforward.
0: <laughs> it's very clear. It's very clear. Um, <laughs> no, because. That is definitely part of it. That is definitely part of what was preached, at least in my Catholic upbringing. And it is real. But also, like, Catholicism is... Like, Catholics are not Puritans. No. Like, Catholics, in general, like to have a good time. They like to drink uh, a lot of the time. (laughs) Like like I said, we were small children being given wine. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Catholicism is also built on decadence. It's built on these beautiful Mm -hmm. churches full of beautiful art and, and stained glass and like all of these things. And so there is this element of, yeah, you got to kind of watch yourself because like you want to go to heaven and whatever, but like also Catholicism does not align with the puritanical like starve yourself of pleasure. Yeah, Even though
1: they say they do, I feel like this is oh my gosh, it's it's how many contradictions can you find in the Bible for, for a 1000. Right. Yeah. 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 Because you have these grandiose churches, but then we're singing songs like blessed are the meek at heart and, and forever the poor. And we always give to them. And also, here's this great big fucking building we got. and We spent all our money into it. Let's drink from gold to the chalices. But just remember that the, blessed are the meek. And, and the, you know, it, it's it's this like that's what really kind of drove me out when I was in high school. That I'm like, guys, you got to stick to one thing because you were t- <laughs> talking about a lot of different things all at once.
0: Yeah, right. There's there's contradictions galore yeah. for sure, and that's from a uh, you know just intellectual perspective. Like at some point, you have to be like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, what are we, uh, what are we trying to say here? I I don't know. I guess that's like. That's like something that as I got older and I would start to spend more time with friends of mine in high school when I wasn't in Catholic school anymore. And I had uh, friends that were like Protestants and stuff. I started to realize how chill the Catholic church was about some things and how not chill the Protestant church was about some things. Yeah. And that got really complicated too. Catholicism definitely has a darkness to it that other christian denominations don't catholicism also has a decadence to it that other christian denominations don't in my opinion
2: yeah it's much more like sensual yes
0: and, it's so sensual. yeah and it's, sensual.
2: well and again it's embodied i feel like i feel like catholicism emphasizes the presence of god in the world and the presence of god in people and in things and events and like god is revealed through his creation and i feel like protestants stress how the world that we live in and the people that we surround ourselves with are unlike God and that God is removed from the world and that we are never worthy and are therefore trying to transcend this world to a place that's more perfect because God has sort of abandoned this imperfect creation Mm -hmm. and you're constantly working to try to better yourself so that you're worthy of him. Whereas Catholics, it's like, no, God like infused his creation with, with himself. He's deemed it worthy. He's deemed you worthy. That's why all of these things on earth, have such importance. And that's why all this stuff matters because it's all, it's all part of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then that like, I don't know that interestingly (laughs) connects to almost like a, a low key like hedonism.
2: Yeah. That's why the sex thing gets weird because if you you follow that logic, then, then you sort of have to believe that like, okay, well then human sexual relationships, therefore, are revealing something about creation and therefore the creator and they therefore must be good. But we have this weird puritanical resistance to it Mm -hmm. that like sex is dirty, but which I think has more to do with the patriarchy being a construct that works within the church and that being used as a mechanism to control people. Mm -hmm. And that has less to do with like the actual beliefs that it's founded on and more to do with pushing up a political patriarchal agenda that doesn't have anything to do with the actual revelation of
1: God. Tell me more about that because <laughs> I feel like that never happens in the church.
2: I will Brian. I will send you this book. There's this great book that I that I read um, called uh, "The Catholic Imagination." Oh, That sounds amazing. It's by. Can Andrew. I get a copy? Yes, that sounds- we're going to give
1: all our readers a copy of this. It's book. like one of the.
2: It's like one of the only books that I ever have highlighted in by Andrew Greeley, who has passed away a few years ago. But he was a Catholic priest and he was a professor at some colleges, and he also wrote lots of fiction too. But it's just about how the. Sort of like how growing up Catholic informs your imagination and informs your <laughs> belief system. And actually they used at the Met Gala when it was heavenly bodies, right? That oh, exhibit. It was so cool. Yeah. So they, they use a quote they use a quote from from the introduction of the book. It's the first it's the first paragraph of the book. It was like splashed on the wall at the beginning of the exhibit, and the quote was um, Catholics live in an enchanted world, a world of statues and holy water, stained glass windows and votive candles, saints and religious medals rosary beads and holy pictures. But these Catholic paraphernalia are merely hints of a deeper and more pervasive religious sensibility, which inclines Catholics to see the Holy lurking in creation. Mm-hmm. As Catholics, we find our houses and our world haunted by a sense that the objects, events and persons of daily life are revelations of grace. I love That's so that. Good. It's so, the fact that this book is written by a Catholic priest, And then he's really like the, the chapter that deals about sex is called sacred desire. And, mm-hmm. And the picture for the the picture at the chapter heading is um, of Bernini's uh, Saint Teresa in Divine Ecstasy. So it looks like Saint Teresa is like having an orgasm, right? Right. In this marble sculpture by Bernini, and it, it's oh my gosh, it's so good. And, but he just talked about that sort of contradiction. Like, okay, based on what we believe as Catholics, we should therefore have this attitude towards sex and sexuality, and yet <laughs>
0: and we don't. Yet
2: that's fascinating.
0: No. And I think there is a weird, there's just a weird mixture of Catholicism meets early American puritanical values. Yeah. I think they meet each other somewhere.
2: When they should be so opposed. Yeah.
0: And that's, and that's kind of speaking to more Brian, what you were talking about the like Catholic guilt and like the, these more complicated ideas of, Feeling bad about you know just earthly pleasures mm-hmm. or bodily desires and things like that, but in a lot of ways, I think Catholicism really indulges in those things, and it has just, in our experience as the three of us, I think it's also important to say, not only did we grow up Catholic, we grew up we grew up Catholic in the United States, yes, all with connections to the Midwest United States, yes, yeah. That means something yes you know there is something about this area that protestant work ethic is is sewn into everything and protestant ethics are sewn into i think probably even our catholicism you know so like
2: in ways that we don't even realize
0: exactly so i think i think catholicism at its core is a very decadent very celebratory religion that also just has this layer of shame that has been created specifically from more puritanical Absolutely. mindset. Yeah. At its core, yeah, at its core Catholicism is about it's about art It's about architecture. It's about wine and bodies and having these. Yeah. I I love that you brought up ecstasy of St. Teresa. Like it's such a beautiful sculpture and her having this, a spiritual experience that uh, very much mirrors a, a sexual experience. Right. Right. And,
2: and, and knowing that like, there's no way that Bernini sculpted this, not thinking that, the people who are going to look at this are going to imagine an orgasm. Like that's going to be their point of connection to this, you know, like you, to believe that he doesn't know what he's doing is naive.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, he, he knew exactly what yeah. he was doing. hundred percent. And yeah, there, there is this great contradiction, right? There is definitely this great contradiction in Catholicism of uh, bringing all these things to the forefront and basically bringing all these thoughts and ideas and images into our minds at incredibly young ages. And then also like telling us that certain aspects of them are wrong or that we should feel shame. about. Well, yeah,
1: not even to some, I think a lot. I mean, just, just the idea of sin and how pervasive it is in so many things and so many areas of your life that you're, even at a young age, we're, we're told to then often, more often the better, but to confess all of these, what we're told are sins oh, to this sure. strange man at a, at a church, you know, you just have to like suddenly become super vulnerable to this unknown person in a way and basically list all the ways that you've been bad, you know, and that you're always basically kind of keeping a log in your head and uh, evaluating yourself all the time. And like, am I, am I living the best life? Am I, you know, am I on the right path? Am I on the righteous, you know, journey? And it's so at odds with the decadent, like what you're saying, all these different beautiful imagery in this grandiose place that almost shames you for enjoying it in its fullest you know humanly bodily way if that makes sense
2: i i will say that the most i guess if i had to categorize any of my catholic upbringing as traumatic the traumatic experiences would have been in confession Mm -hmm. and at the time they seemed full of catharsis and i'm not saying that that catharsis wasn't real but leading up to it there was such a degree of trepidation it was like the most stressful thing of all time. It was like worse than going to the doctor, knowing that you were going to get a shot or a vaccine. Yeah. And like that sort of like huge emotional stress on like someone who like, you really haven't probably done anything. Like I wasn't killing anybody, no. but whatever it was that I felt guilty about suddenly all had this sort of crushing weight that it probably did not deserve. And then to then have that lifted off of you, felt so amazing. But looking back, I'm thinking, should I have even felt crushed under that weight
1: to begin with? No. And I think that, that even that the ritual of going to confession, there's shame built into it too, with, with the confessional booth that you can sit and right. really have this level of animosity that you're behind a screen because there's, which I never in, did though. I never did either because there's a, there was a, yeah. this other level of, you have to, you have to face what you're doing instead of hide behind your shame, you know, like, but it, yeah. it definitely always had that Avenue available to you if you wanted to hide, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah, like the whole thing, I think, was pretty destructive in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: completely agree with everything you both said because I definitely, I definitely had that same like fear uh, leading up to reconciliation that like led to shame, and it it, w- it was a whole thing. You've led I to totally, the dark
2: side, <laughs> and now you're a set Lord.
0: I, I definitely think there is a, a trauma there, and um, so I I totally agree. I'm also just going to kind of add something that I. Have come to recognize about reconciliation as an adult mm-hmm. that respect about that sacrament and that experience the way it was built up especially especially i think for us whatever in the 90s it was just like the way it was it was like it was scary it was yeah. scary to have to go and tell someone what you done, done wrong i swear every time i went to reconciliation i just told them that like i lied to my parents cuz like that was something i was like i was pretty mm-hmm. sure i had done you know like it's all right. lied to their
2: parents <laughs> like, i almost wish i had made shit up
0: <laughs> yeah had to Like you had to come up with something. You knew you had done something wrong, but you didn't really know what. So you'd like come up with something. And yeah, there's a weird trauma and a shame with that. But as an adult and looking back on reconciliation, I likewise think there is something beautiful Absolutely. about the, the concept of I can, I can take this moment. I can sit down. I can say some things that maybe I did wrong And then I can, you know, be given a penance or whatever. And I can take a few moments to say some words, say a prayer, sit and experience God. And then I can be forgiven of everything. And that aspect, I think, is very beautiful because there is, because that was something about reconciliation too, was like, you weren't expected to remember everything you did wrong. You were just expected to remember. Like to to say what you could remember, and then after the whole sacrament, you were forgiven, and you could you could be free of it. And yeah, it wasn't
2: punitive. It, it's meant to release you
0: exactly. So if there's more focus placed on this idea of I take this moment and, and I, I take it as a moment of like penance or whatever, and after it, I am free that I think is incredibly beautiful. Yeah, I
2: would enjoy it much more now as an adult. I would get much more out of it now.
0: (laughs) Right, I think I would do. Because also things that I felt
2: bad about as a child or even as a teenager, I'd be like, okay, that's not really sinful. You just felt guilty doing that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. So it's also, yeah, I, I think maybe that's something I think we probably all shared is like, all of these things are being thrust upon us as small children in ways that, you know, we weren't able to fully appreciate or understand or so it it was kind of traumatizing
2: if i can steer us back a little bit to the spooky nature of things so in thinking about catholicism and in thinking about the way that it emphasizes the presence of god in the world that we live in Mm -hmm. um you know in the objects that we encounter in the in the people and in the things it also then begs the question how present is the devil in the world and i was like that is such a big (laughs) question and i don't know how much the two of you thought about the devil growing up i certainly was like why don't we talk about him more i was i was upset i was upset really that i was like why is it only during Lent that we talk you know we have the story of jesus in the desert being tempted by the devil i was like he should be a bigger character in this book you know (laughs) like He seems like a big deal, and he doesn't show up very much. Right, but then obviously it's it's a great it's a great you know archetype for horror, and we'll never get tired of it. And I certainly will never get tired of it. But yeah, I just wonder about like the eminence of the devil in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of the personification of sin. You know that he's he's the tempter, the the orchestrator of all then times you know that's that's coming at, that you always have to be you keep an eye out for him yeah. and it's so funny that because it's all this imagery also of you know death and macabre there's so much imagery of hell too in catholic art and i, I mean just even looking back yes. this, and it's not new i mean like going back to the middle ages with the morality plays and, and like the passion plays they would put on actual big hell mouths they would make the it was like a a feat of stage management, you know, yeah. like carpentry, that they would make a big mechanism of a hell mouth and they'd have, you know, little devils run around and scare people. And just to see it happen to be amazing. But I'd love to go back in time and watch one of yeah, those. Yeah, b- but the idea was that it was meant to scare people and then scaring leads to believing that there's something scary leads to got to safeguard yourself. Right. Exactly what happened after The Exorcist came out probably scared a lot of people to go back to church, you know? Right. But, you know, jokes on them i'm into that shit <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i'm a shirt that says that um so it's yeah it's, it's fascinating how into all of this decadence and belief that we're, there's also this constant like visual reminder of the alternative to going to heaven like you could play by the rules and and get yeah. this or eternal damnation and hellfire you yeah, know
0: totally right. not even just the devil um but you kind of touched on it with like catholic you know exorcisms and like demons in terms of the connection between catholicism and and being spooky like do demons come from anywhere else like i feel like demons are are almost like a strictly catholic thing
2: i mean i guess in the way that we conceptualize them there's certainly very similar things in um in eastern cultures and religions but yeah as far as like i feel like in other in other western culture and other western mythologies There's certainly like evil sort of creatures, but they're much more, you know, they're much more um, what we think of as like monsters rather than they are spiritual beings who have some sort of wicked agenda. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I do think that that, um, demons are the scariest ghosts and creatures in horror movies that to me, I find the scariest because of my upbringing. So I don't know if there's a correlation from there. I think there definitely is. If I just think about The Exorcist, we brought that up. That's deeply frightening to me i thought you know, the the new conjuring movies they're all touching on this deep like kind of catholic fear of this yeah uh, demons that were were warned about growing up and that i have been in, in that trip that i talked about going to the seminary i shared a car with two priests that drove us there and heard the story of an actual exorcism oh, from one of the of priests. oh my god Oh, I did. I did eat yeah. it up, and I it oh haunts gosh. me to this day. Yeah. He, and and how he told it, my guy, he's this this guy's a genius. He should be a horror like storyteller because what he did was just in this front seat. It was raining in the car. We're talking. Oh my God! And then one of the kids in my car, I guess, just heard a rumor that he did an exorcism. And God bless this kid for just going, "Hey, Father, what's his name? I heard you did an exorcism."
0: <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> and the, the priest got all serious and he's like uh Ooh. there was i don't want to you know uh, glamorize it it's but there is evil in the world and i was called upon this one house one time and and um i said the rights over the oh woman casting so textbook and i was given the rights and i felt this this an enormous pressure and energy and dark presence in the room and um and then i was there for the night and then he left it there and, and, and i was and no one followed up because we were all just like shit father like (laughs) (laughs) Like,
0: that dude (laughs) dude should
1: write horror because he just leaves you with it like yeah and i stayed the night and i'm like what happened the night you know like (laughs) did you win (laughs) you are leaving out the juicy details father
0: real i can't really speak to you know i can't speak to other people's experience on this with like demons and the devil and all of I think the devil is an incredibly powerful symbol that Mm -hmm. is present in a lot of ideologies, including Catholicism. And uh, I think symbols are unbelievably powerful. I think they can manifest into reality depending Mm -hmm. on how much you believe in them and what you believe. I think this also speaks to going back earlier in the episode, how I always towed that line of like, uh, I'm Catholic, but I also live a very secular life. I never really believed in the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was little, I never really believed in the devil. I, I never believed. I never believed in hell. I never believed that people were going there. Oh man,
1: I definitely did. Oh man. Yeah. I'm still kind of spooked about it. I'm like, what if I'm wrong here? <laughs> you know? I'm like I'm taking a big gamble with my life here.
0: <laughs> Hell as a symbol and as as imagery, there's there's so much there and there's so much that can be done with that and and what it actually represents and I I think it can represent something very real, but Personally, I do not believe it is a place that people go when they die. I don't think that is a thing. You know, I know some people do think that that's real. So, like, I'm not trying to say like I'm right and you're wrong. Like, nobody knows what happens when you die. Right. You know.
2: Well, and it split. It splits the church even. I mean, yes, it does. Yeah. You know, theologians can't agree on like is is it right? Like, is the belief in hell does that drive with everything else that we know about God? And everybody's split about that. And I I feel like my As I got older, my understanding of it, I don't think I ever really struggled believing in hell when I was younger. I think maybe like actually believing in demons and the devil, that just seems so much more fantastical that like I kind of wished that I could believe in that, but I just never saw any evidence of it in my life. You know, like I thought like, okay, if the demons are real, like I ought to know somebody that has been possessed. You know, like I I needed to have firsthand accounts. But I feel like as I got older, my conception of hell became much more subtle. And I just kind of thought if hell exists, then all it can be is just an absence of God and a disconnect yes. from any, yes. any source of hope or light or the people that you love.
1: Yes.
2: And I was like, and I don't know if that's a place or if that's like a state of being, but like, whatever it is is like, it's just a total absence. And I think part of what endeared I was going to say endeared me to the devil, which is <laughs> sounds awful, but I'm not going to say that that's not true. The, the sort of romantic idea of like, okay, it, even if we just thought of the devil as a character, whether a character or a being that actually exists, the idea of, of being somebody who has lived within the presence of God, like has actually been within the presence of God, God and been favored by God, and then to be removed from that. And to have to live an existence removed from that has just always felt so sad to me and so heartbreaking. And so I feel like I've always kind of have a soft spot for Satan, because I'm just like, you have known the greatest of good and you threw that away and now you and now you you never could have imagined what your existence would be like outside of that. And now that's all you have.
0: And it's also representative of understanding the wholeness of existence, right? Right. You have, you know, the ultimate good and you, you also know the, the opposite. You recognize all of these layers and all of these, these pieces of existence and, yeah, no, I totally yeah. feel
2: that. And and in a, and in a way that is sort of like, I guess, humanizes the devil, but also doesn't explain his, doesn't excuse his behavior. like, if I believed that that was now beyond, I could never hope to attain that again. Of mm-hmm. course, I would make sure that every other living thing never gets to have that thing that I can't have anymore. Of course, I would be bent on the damnation of mankind, because I don't want them to get to enjoy this thing that I can't enjoy anymore. Yeah. That's a hell of a motive. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And it's, I'm very interested in, as I said, like the devil, Satan as symbol, but I'm also uh, very into the devil as a symbol of that, which is, I guess, breaking free of dogmatic thinking that, which is breaking free of the norm. Right. A much more sort of like Promethean, Milton no and yeah. Satan, yeah. like uh last year, Brian. You and I, we we when we went to Salem, we mm-hmm. went to the satanic temple. Oh mm. yeah, and I remember you were like scared. <laughs> yeah.
1: a little bit. Yeah, I I, I was. I mean, because you know this is hard like, not to be. Yeah, right. You growing up Catholic, I from, I'm it goes the from yeah. I'm like I'm going to go inside the satanic temple. Oh shit. And then uh, it turns out it was really rad in there. They had a fucking Degas in <laughs> there. They had a... <laughs> like, they did. They had an actual Degas awesome. sketch. It was amazing. I, yeah, I
0: remember you just being a little concerned about it or whatever. And yeah. I I had had more knowledge on uh, the Satanic Temple and, and actually what they represent and what they actually do because mm-hmm. I had like, watched that uh, documentary, that Pale Satan documentary. Right. Yeah, it's so it's really good. good. Everyone watch it. But yeah like the Satanic temple is very much use they use Satan use the devil as representative of something that is just ideas that are outside of uh, what is considered like Christian doctrine, right? right. So they're, yeah. you know, no one who's a part of the satanic temple is out here trying to like murder people or do anything violent or awful. They're just like, hey, there's more than one way to live your life. Like, right. <laughs> I think the devil and Satan can really represent that concept as like someone that lives outside the norm. Um, lives outside of expectations. Mm -hmm. And something I will always get behind, I will always get behind living a life that is uh, outside of, of dogmatic thinking. And so from a, I guess, intellectual perspective, if you're looking at the devil that way, like, then I definitely can attach to that concept and get on board with that. And that makes sense to me. Now, I do also understand that there are people that think the devil is like an actual being that like can affect people and like make people do awful things. I'm, I'm not here to say that you're wrong or anything, but that's just not how I see it. But that concept in and of itself the idea of the devil being, you know, being able to affect human beings and cause them to do horrible things is definitely terrifying. Like mm-hmm. definitely.
2: Yeah, I I think what's I think what's more I was it's so funny I was talking to um a friend about this today because we were talking about cults actually. She's watching that show The Vow on on HBO. I thought, you know, and we were talking about how, you know, cult leaders prey on people, you know, and it's always when you're in a vulnerable state and you're looking for a sign and you're looking for an answer, you're looking for something to solve, you know, something that's going wrong in your life, sort of constantly thinking about the idea of selling your soul to the devil. I just always think it that that has to come to you in a moment of just abject vulnerability. And it's never going to be in a sort of like mustache twirling, like, um,
0: yes.
2: you know, evil sort of way. It, it's going to sound beautiful and it's going to sound like this is the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to you. And, you know, only good things can happen from here. And there's no, there's no negative thing to it. And like, look, you've been waiting for a sign all your life. And like, if this, if me offering you, this is not a sign, then I don't know what else you're waiting for. And if you say no to this now, you're going to think back on this moment, you know, years from now or tomorrow or whatever, when you're miserable again, and you're going to think, why did I never take the opportunity to make my life better. And then you're going to think back to when I offered you this and you're going to go, damn, actually it did. You know, it, it, that did come to me. And I said, yep. no,
0: I'm so glad you brought up the vow because when we started this conversation about the devil, I was like, I don't believe in the devil, but if there is a devil, it's fucking Keith Raniere. Yeah. Fuck. Like his, like you brought up a while ago just this idea of like maybe not the devil being like a thing but maybe like the absence of something mm-hmm. like an actual connection to god that's how i feel about keith Raniere, like the leader of the nexium cult i'm like oh he is just so unbelievably disconnected from god and humanity so like right. if there's a devil he's a he's a pretty good representation of it in my opinion yeah.
1: that should be a topic we yeah. talk about one of these uh episodes is our yeah. favorite representations of the devil or what we see yes. as the devil it comes in many forms you know yeah, horns black philip you know we got a lot of stuff black, Phillip, black yeah yeah, stuff. yeah right
0: before we like wrap things up there's still like a couple things we never even got to that i feel like i have to mention on the topic of like being catholic and spooky we we briefly mentioned just bones, relics, like oh, Catholics yeah. of relics love to save the finger bones of saints yes. or like you know, just shit mm-hmm. like that. I've seen so much of that shit just on display in like famous churches, just like mm-hmm. this is the, uh, the, the finger of so-and-so saint or whatever. Bo- like, what's spookier than bones? Like, bones? Literally, what is spookier than Bones? That's <laughs>
2: the title of, our, of the first song of the band, Spooky Catholic Children. <laughs> what's spookier, what's than, spookier bones? than Bones? One, two, three, four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is spookier than Bones? And then we talked about drinking the blood of Christ. So, like, oh. blood is huge. Um, not just drinking blood, but like crying blood is a yes, thing. Yes,
1: yeah. Stigmata. Blood, yes. You're, you're witnessing, the, you're, you're embodying the wounds of Christ. Yeah.
2: Well, in drinking blood, I know we didn't mention vampires yet, but just to plug vampires for a second.
1: Always, you always have, have to. If Catholic theology is correct,
2: then vampires ought to be able to drink consecrated wine at mass and have that count as blood. <laughs> if, if, trans, right. if transubstantiation if, if transubstantiation is real and operates the way that we believe that it operates
1: then there's nothing that should prevent
2: vampires from drinking that as if it were blood
1: you just gave me an, an idea of a vampire that uh, uh, moonlights as a catholic priest yes to i've always a yes to buy I've, a blood
2: i've constantly thought about that i have constantly thought and what i love about that too is like there's also this sort of catholic idea of like even if you were a vampire like you're not beyond redemption yes. you know like there's there's still the possibility for like hope of reuniting with god and like you're still tr- communing with the best part of of yourself you know
1: isn't that, like, the opposite of the whole doctrine of vampires, though? You're eternally damned to walk forever?
2: Right, right. But, like, you then you're released. Like, when you know, whenever, you know, when when Dracula is, is killed, right, like, this expression of peace comes over him. And they, you know, Mina and Van Helsing and everybody, you know, they feel like, oh, they've released him from this torment. So, I mean, and probably he, he goes to hell or whatever, but maybe there's some out part out of him right. that gets, yeah, there's some part of him that gets, you know, reunited. Yeah, no,
0: us. I love, I really love the, the idea of the vampire being redeemed. Like, I think that's something, I think that's something a lot of us vampire lovers want to see, you know, like, cause that's such a, an issue, like such a, 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 a thing, a soul yearning in the vampire story of like.
2: And there's so much about like consent involved in terms of like how you became a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's not really fair. If you like. Yeah. I had no intention of being a vampire, but here I am.
0: I would love to see the story of a super Catholic vampire just like being. Like,
2: I would be dr- the super Catholic vampire. I'd be going to mass all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, the, they never kill anyone. They're just always at mass, oh. like, during the wine and like that that's i love that i love that concept but no i definitely in in the subject of blood i've also been sipping red wine this evening
2: same i also had a candle yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i i I immediately it's like vampires like obviously like who else drinks blood catholics and vampires like that's that's who drinks blood um (laughs) so like there's that yeah the stigmata which there is a movie from the nineties called Stigma. Oh yeah. So oh, good. Yeah. Um, but the stigma yes. is just horrifying. Like this concept of, of getting oh, yeah. the wounds of Jesus Christ, like mm-hmm. and it's, it's some kind of an honor, like and you're getting the wounds in your hands, right. Like the
2: Oh yeah. Or like when the Eucharist bleeds. I forget what if that if there's a name for that. I don't know, but I feel like I feel like maybe like Padre Pio, who had stigmata, mm-hmm. also like performed mass where, like, in consecrating the host, like the host was reported to have like started bleeding. Whoa, blood! Yeah, was like what the hell is that about? Again, blood, more more blood, more blood. <laughs> yeah,
0: lots of blood. Um, yeah, like I said, definitely stories of like crying blood. Um, we've talked a lot about the Eucharist, which is is. Ten thousand percent ritualized cannibalism. That's what that is. Yeah, well, right. Like to pretend it's not, but that's what that is.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's 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 bread, but it's also the body, right? So it's cannibalism. No, it's bread. No, yeah, but it's the body again, right? So oh, it's metal. No, it's bread.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, so it's a human. So it's cannibalism. No, no. It's bread. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what don't you get about this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> demons catholic exorcisms undeniably horrifying yep. mm-hmm. eternal damnation and hellfire that's a big
1: bummer The yep. whole
0: thing i also have on here stained glass stained glass is creepy yeah <laughs> it's uncanny it's okay yeah it's uh it's, it's kind beautiful of- it's beautiful i love stained glass i yeah. adore stained glass it's also creepy like <laughs> it's both right? I think it's also something I wanted to mention too is all of this we're talking about how creepy Catholicism and and stuff is and like why growing up Catholic makes you spooky. That's not a bad thing.
1: No, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Hell yeah. I love my spooky life.
0: (laughs) A thread on some website while I was researching and it was like the question on the discussion thread was what are some creepy facts about Catholicism? And then everyone on the discussion it turned into a like why Catholicism is right and why it's wrong. Like people brought up like, you know, fucked up shit about priests, which we're not gonna get into. And right. like other people who were like Catholic like were trying to defend Catholicism in the whole thread was just people like fighting about whether Catholicism was right or wrong. And I was like, You guys missed the prompt. Like
1: right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nothing <laughs> to do with, with like what religion is right. It's like what makes Catholicism creepy? A lot of shit. It makes it creepy yeah. that is a fact and nothing about this is saying i don't think any of us are saying it's wrong to be catholic or it's right to be catholic we're just saying
1: yeah not at, at all just there's, some, into it. there's
0: just some creepy shit about it
1: not only that it's creepy they, they celebrate the creepy i mean we have days honoring the creepy yeah. we have paintings and statues yeah. that are like tableaus of straight up Creepy, you know, like the famous festival of the creepy. Famous the festival of the creepy. You know? (laughs) That like we've we've merged all Souls Day and Halloween, basically, that they you know that the observance of death is, is saturated all throughout it and not just death, like, like really, uh, theatrical tableaus of death. I mean, you yeah. have all the deaths of all the saints. Yeah. You have, you know, John the Baptist had his head, it he was beheaded and his head was served on a right. platter. You had uh, St. Joan of Arc burned at the you know, these aren't like, oh yeah. And then they died of old age, you know, loving Jesus, you know, it's like, no, these guys, like we celebrate the, 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 worse worst you died, the better martyr you were you know 100
0: right. so yeah ultimately coming from three people who grew up catholic like we celebrate the creepy that comes from catholicism in every way like i love how creepy catholicism is um as we talked about i love the omnipresent reminders of death i love How comfortable I am with the topic of death, the bones and the blood and all of it. Resurrection. We got zombie Jesus. Like, that's creepy. Zombie Jesus. Zombie Jesus. So much of it is weird, but like weird is good. If we didn't grow up spooky Catholic children, I don't think this podcast would exist. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, no kidding. Thank you it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I ultimately, you know, my my ritualistic creepy religious upbringing like uh it 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 made me into an interesting creepy adult and uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I think so too.
0: Wouldn't change it for for anything. And there's so yeah, there's just so many topics. Uh, we've years. already been
1: going an hour and a half, you know, and we've uh, we could keep yeah. going. Yeah.
0: Like, For so much longer. I
1: know. I know. This is a bit of a way of therapy too. Just kind of going back and going, holy shit, look at that. (laughs) You know? So I'm glad we got together and talked about it.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's a good thing to kind of like round it out on is also like when this is um, part of your, your upbringing as a small child, as like a four and five year old, like you don't realize any of this is weird until you become Mm -hmm. an adult. It took me a long time. To realize any of this was weird or creepy or unusual. We're still unpacking. Stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I forgot to bring this up when we were on the subject of um, demons and demonic possession. There's that movie that I don't know what the state of it is, and maybe, Brian, you can tell me, but um, Saint Maud. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That is coming out this year. It's supposed to come out this year. A 24 movie about this uh, young woman who basically highlight like, to a fanatical degree, believes that she is a vessel, I guess, for Christ. And it mm-hmm. uh, will go through a lot of the, I guess, flagellations that will come with it. Um, I don't know too much more other than a really dope trailer.
2: Yeah. But what I think that it seems to be, um, the question that seems to be entertaining and, you know, I don't know, who knows if in the movie like, Maybe she's actually possessed. Maybe she's possessed by something that is different than what she thinks it is. But I think that a question that has not been posed in movies that deal with possession before is what if it felt good?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Because every other instance of, you know, demonic possession whatever is thing. so yeah. torturous. It's yet yeah, it's so violent to the person that is being possessed. And this is the first time that I thought, wait a minute, what if it felt like ecstasy you know like what like what if you were like having a religious spiritual experience and whether whether the thing that is possessing you is good or bad what if it
1: felt great well i think that hey, there's probably a lot of art we talked about the ecstasy of what mary you said the the statue uh saint Teresa, saint Teresa that's what it is um that this we talk about a lot in church did the, the spirit moving through you and how good that yeah feels, but we never use the word possession attached to it it's usually like a, a right. sinister thing
2: well and and I, th- I would think if I were the devil or if I were a demon and I were possessing someone, I would want them to take it as something good. Yeah. For as long as, you know, r- regardless of what my agenda was going to be, like, that just seems like the easier way to do it. Like, if you're being tortured, like, then it's obvious that something wrong is going on with you. Right. But better to have it masquerade as like some sort of beautiful experience have you tried this
1: shit? this is great <laughs>
0: right i think you also just like pointed to something that is really important to consider in terms of spiritual experiences is like yeah what 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 if there isn't a difference between having some kind of a demonic possession and also having some kind of an angelic experience right like right. That's another thing I think with like spiritual experiences and stuff. Like if you go into just the history of uh, having experiences with angels, it's I was going to say we
2: haven't even talked about angels yet.
0: (laughs) We haven't even mentioned angels.
2: Guardian angels. None of that. They're
0: like horrifying. (laughs) Like like, really weird and really creepy and like, Having an experience being visited by an angel is not like it's not a happy, chill time, it's an intense experience.
2: Yeah, everyone in the Bible who like witnesses an angel is spooked. the the first thing the angels always say is like do not be afraid like they know like (laughs) i'm scary like every (laughs) single time they before even introducing themselves they're just like hold on calm down take a breath get a new new pair of pants this is a lot
0: (laughs) i have a million eyes this is scary
2: which then like you think okay if if angels are that freaky and they're still with god like can you imagine being thrown out of heaven like what are you what are you now like exactly. how much more terrifying does that make demons?
0: And I think it speaks to the interesting nuance of it all is like, well, if having an angelic experience is supposed to be overwhelming and kind of terrifying, why is that so much different than having a demonic experience? Right. You know, so it's like, wait, are these forces working together? Is this, is, is there more nuance at play here? Because, right. Yeah, like, because angelic experiences, uh, both historically and contemporarily, like, I've heard stories of people that, you know, say they've had angelic experiences in present day. It's not chill. It is not something that, like that you would describe as just lovely. Like it's, it's a very intense thing. So yeah. And
2: like also sort of like vaguely erotic. Yes.
0: Like
2: yes. There's something sort of sexual about it.
0: Yeah. And, um, and yeah. at
2: least like that's how our human bodies like can make sense of whatever the experience is that that's happening to us. You know, like there's, we only have so many different functions to be working with. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that like nuanced, uh, aspect of things is is important to to think about is like is there really uh much of a difference between an angel and a demon like what's actually you know like that is that's a thing like
1: you should watch good omens and you can figure it out yeah
0: <laughs> yeah because angels angels tend to have like a million eyes and like mult wings and like yeah. they're They're not the cute little chubby babies that art tends to
2: torture them as. Right. (laughs) I wonder if they ever miss each other.
1: The
0: ancient demons?
1: Yeah. You know, like.
0: Well, I do know. know. I
1: I think you all should stop and go watch Good Omens.
0: That's (laughs) true.
1: Clearly, clearly, that's what this is. I
0: also feel like we don't need to get into it, but there's been multiple times throughout this entire episode that i've wanted to mention like the da vinci code and like
1: (laughs) 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 like giving us an education also like every catholic's experience of the
2: da vinci code when it came out and like the weird the how you dealt with the controversy of it and like did your church boycott the movie? you know like so much so much about
0: that i still very much attribute very much attribute the Da Vinci Code to why I ended up studying art history. <laughs> oh wow. I do. Like I read it when I was like what, fourteen or something. Same, and, yeah. And it definitely had an effect on me. And even though there are things from an art historian's perspective about that book that are completely incorrect or false, like right. there are still so bigger ideas at play that like got me, you know, it was like the main character was a symbologist and he like yeah, he, he's like an Indiana Jones, exactly, but like of art, you know. I was like, Yeah, like, I do that. yeah, I, yeah, just the Da Vinci Code, um, also Angels and Demons, the prequel. Like, uh, there's a lot of spooky Catholic shit in both of those
1: yes. <laughs> amazing. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I love talking about this. Yes, this has been a A great catharsis of of kind of diving into why we're what we are, or maybe you know, yeah, Yeah,
0: definitely therapeutic. I think I hope other uh, listeners out there that maybe grew up Catholic have a similar experience because (laughs) because I definitely feel like there was some therapy that went down this evening.
2: I hope they also all have the experience of of that one mass that was usually at night. That was the rock the and, rock roll, and roll music. <laughs> I love the three of us all like that. That is just across oh, the board. That just comes man. to the territory that it's just obviously part of an American Catholic experience. Yeah. I hate it so much. Oh God. Did,
0: did you on that? Like are Catholics still trying to be contemporary or did they just like, no, did they? I don't, I don't it, know. But-
1: I, I don't know. I I cannot tell you from experience, <laughs> as of uh, recently. So. I
2: I started going to mass like regularly, like right before the pandemic started, and I was like kind of enjoying it. Like I was enjoying like getting back into just sort of like the rhythm of it. It just felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, <laughs> I guess never again.
0: God didn't want this. <laughs> had,
2: yeah, I constantly, yeah, I I
0: flirted with this again, and here we are. <laughs> I would actually love. Uh, some someday in the future to just go to a Catholic mass with the two of you. I feel like that would be. Really yes, so- it'd be so fun. <laughs> let's go to let's go to mass together, you guys. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not there yet. Brian's not there yet.
2: Mm, no. Ash Wednesday, Brian. Ash Wednesday. It's my favorite day. I'm good. Like Catholic.
1: New Year. I want to get
0: some fucking ashes on my forehead. Like yes. Yeah.
1: All right, we're wrapping this up here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like Brian hasn't quite come to terms with his Catholicism. <laughs>
1: like, He's got time. He's got time. Very much have. I'm just never going back. That's where I've come to. Terms.
0: <laughs> well, that's the point. Like, it'll, it'll. It's. It's a. It's a coming back. Uh, after having healed
1: from? Oh, I, like I said, I love churches. I love going, it's, it's, it's going into a mass that I'm like, I this is the times that I have gone back. That's actually kind of triggering to go back because a lot of the messages that I hear from it, I, all I see are, are, I guess, kind of damaging. And so I love being in around the art. I love going to the, the buildings and everything. It's the masses that, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be like, Chill just sitting through again, you know. Brian,
2: I have to send I have to send you this book because like I'm the, read forward, it great. the quote at the beginning of it is religions commit suicide when they find their inspiration in dogma. Mm-hmm. And that's a quote from Alfred North Whitehead.
0: Yes, cool.
2: Like that's the quote that starts the book. I love that. Yes. I love that. that.
0: Um yeah. just kind of speaking to that same idea, because I totally feel that, Brian. One of my most recent experiences in a catholic church it was probably like as actually probably like four or five years ago was actually i got to go to a mass at the church of of saint francis in assisi in italy wow very Um, cool it was very cool he's buried underneath the church i got to see his tomb and Mm. the entire mass was in italian the art surrounding it is some of the oldest, like, Catholic art, like Giotto, like, just some of the, the oldest, the oldest shit, like, the oldest Catholic art. And the, yeah, the mat, the entire mass was in Italian. Obviously, I don't speak Italian. And so for me, that experience was, n- it was just a completely beautiful spiritual experience. Like, and, and part of it was, you know, probably like language barrier too. Like I wasn't getting the same messages that I would get in like an American Catholic church, but
2: right, your focus was on different things.
0: Exactly. The fact that St. Francis, who, as I mentioned before, is, is a saint that I, I think just, represents a lot of really beautiful things, you know, his tomb was right below me. And it was, it was an incredibly beautiful experience and a very spiritual experience. And, and I had a really lovely Catholic experience that made me like happy and proud to be connected to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And it, it seemed, you know, to me anyways, it was completely devoid of uh, that dogmatic element. So those, those experiences are there
2: it's also important to note that like that was also a catholic experience in another country yes
0: and, yes, yes,
2: yes right like it wasn't it wasn't an american catholic experience exactly. which is a little bit different i think 100
0: 100 because then after after the mass like we just roamed around the city of assisi and went to the smaller tiny little church which was actually where he grew up and there's a story with saint francis of assisi oh. where he was um he was abused as a child and he, there was like, there's a story where he was kept, like, trapped in like a
2: a cell.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like trapped in like a little cell, and uh, that cell is still preserved today. Wow! So I saw that, and like, it was just, it's a very intense experience of this actual like saint yeah and and it was in italy and it was like so it was just this whole nother layer to oh, yeah what it was to be a catholic kid in the united states you know mm-hmm. i guess I'm, I'm just saying like be open to experiences maybe outside of the ones that you've already experienced because that was one of the most beautiful catholic experiences i've had And I'd love to go back to a CC someday. It was a really magical. It was a really magical day. It really was. Let's go post
2: pandemic trip to a CC.
0: Oh my god! The three of us should totally go, and we'll podcast live.
2: (laughs) But we'll stop at that pumpkin patch in Nebraska first,
1: and you guys can just leave me there. Okay,
0: (laughs) thank
2: you. Or or maybe we have to hit it on the way back. That's how we get Brian to go to a CC with us. Like, just come on. We're gonna. I bet there's so much else to see in a
1: CC that I would love. Love to do so We're going to
2: go to a pumpkin patch in Assisi. <laughs> and by that, I mean a gelateria that has pumpkin-flavored gelato.
0: So that was another, now I'm, like, getting, I'm getting super, like, nostalgic. So another thing in Assisi, that night, like, we went to sleep in our little, like, hotel hostel, and at night, there was, like, a Catholic choir of, like, priests oh. singing as we went to bed from like miles away nice. and we could just like hear them. It was like, really? It was, it was cool. It was like, oh, I hate living in America. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was unlike anything you'd experience. Yeah. In, in Midwest America, that's for sure. So yeah,
2: they don't play guitars at their masses. <laughs> no tambourine.
0: They get the choir of priests out there just like every night singing, singing the creepy Catholic because that's another thing we didn't even mention that the creepy Catholic music.
1: <laughs> oh, we definitely did. We yeah. talked about how uh, you know uh, uh, you are gonna. You never know the day the Lord will come. Let us rejoice and be glad. You know that like we're always talking about in the tambourine. Um, how excited! That was we a are good rendition, Brian. Did you like that? Because <laughs> yeah. all these songs are drilled in my head. That you know, I can tell. <laughs> There's some neural pathways that have been carved. They're-
0: are there definitely are i guess i mean more not even like the words i mean more of like the oh like the creepy
1: chance yeah oh. is very beautiful
0: yeah. chance yeah. like yeah we were just i i didn't even know what i was saying half the time it's just like oh, which is the problem
2: i love singing in latin <laughs>
0: also also Latin, fundamentally creepy. like, come on, name a creepier language. It's literally a
2: dead language.
0: I know, every time I hear Latin, I expect, like, a demon to pop up. Like, I feel like that is just...
2: Yeah. (laughs) The demon's just like, you rang? (laughs) (laughs) Glory in excelsis? What? (laughs) Amazing.
0: Agnes Dei? Here we are. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Catholics be creepy. Catholics
2: be creepy.
1: Thanks for joining us. We will catch you next week for another fun topic. Thank you, Connor, for joining us this time. Thanks, oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm. Was... We're going to have you back. Definitely. Yes, please. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for all our supporters again. We really love you and appreciate you. And we will catch you next time.
0: Bye.